Yeah. Get out of here with them weak weak ass shoes, yo. What's up, Balls Deep fam? To another episode of Balls Deep with Devin and Jovan, where we dive balls deep into the hottest stories in sports. If you're new to the program, I'm your host, Devin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jovan. Um, we're happy to have you guys, but before we get started, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And if you're tuning in via you know, Spotify or iTunes or I should say Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, make sure to hit the download button and leave some reviews. Um, and if you're on, you know, YouTube, make sure to comment. Give us uh, some uh, reviews as well or or your thoughts. And um, we do have something coming in uh, in the works or we got stuff in the works. So pay attention to our Instagram and make sure to participate when we post it. Um, but we're happy to have you guys today. We're going to be talking about some NBA news. We haven't talked about the NBA Yet in season two of Balls Deep, we last spoke of the NBA, you know, end of season one when we had our NBA special. So there's things that have been popping off. So uh, we'll we'll talk first. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have to ball out real quick. So January eighth marked you know the first time the Ball Brothers met, faced off in the NBA. Uh, Lonzo of plays for the Pelicans. LaMelo plays for the the Hornets. Both were top three picks in their given uh, or their respective draft class. So this was interesting. The hype was real. Uh, the game definitely lived up to it because, you know, the Pelicans had the Hornets, you know, in the first half. But come the second half, Hornets came out to play and they ultimately won the game 118 to 110. So before we get into the specifics, LaMelo... He got the bragging rights at the dinner table. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Um, no, it was uh, it was interesting. Obviously, storyline. It was dope to see. Um, you know, I'm a fan of both Ball Brothers. I mean, um, just because uh, you know, obviously Lonzo was a Lakers fan, so I was always a fan as soon as he got drafted. And then Lamelo, uh, seeing him come up and kind of realizing the talent that he had, and seeing that he was probably the best of the three brothers. Uh, I was kind of excited to see what he brought to the table and to the NBA, um, but it was nice to see um, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of com- competitive spirit between two brothers. We obviously know that uh, they used to compete all the time at home on, on the court, so um, you know, it was it was definitely fun to watch. It added a little bit to the game. Um, pretty sure I think Lamelo even hit a hit a uh, a three pointer over Lonzo at one point. So, um, but it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely interesting. And it's just cool to see, you know, uh, two brothers battle it out and, and, and the professionals, uh, especially because uh, it seems like a lot of those, those you know, that family seems to get more hate than they do love sometimes uh, from, you know, the NBA community or the sports community in general uh, due to the fact that they do have so much, you know, hype. But it was definitely dope to see. I don't really understand the hate. I I guess it's because LeVar, you know, hypes up his, his sons, but... If you were in his shoes and you were a father of these athletes, wouldn't you hype your sons up? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. I understand, you know, he some nonsense. He, he spews some nonsense here and there. 
but you gotta love you gotta love the guy for what he what he has done with you know raising these kids and two of his sons <clears throat> being top three picks. Like he did what he had to do. He didn't put force them to get into basketball. They chose the sport of basketball, and he you know respected that, and he coached them to be the best. And you know now they're they've reached the highest level you can reach in that sport. So. I'm definitely a fan of the family in general. I I do agree that LaMelo, I think, will be the best out of all three. Um, that's just because I think he has the potential. He has he has the highest, you know, ceiling. Uh, but LaVar admitted that before, too. He was like, Lonzo's, you know, pass first. Jello's got the best jump shot out of all of them, which he does. He just hasn't got the opportunity to prove it in, big, in the big leagues. But he said LaMelo was a hybrid of both of them. He can pass, and he yeah. can shoot. Um, and he's definitely more aggressive on the offensive end than Lonzo is. And you've seen that in this matchup uh, between the Pelicans and the Hornets because uh, he had the better night between the two. So he gets the bragging rights not only with the dub, but he gets the bragging rights in terms of the box score as well. So he he nearly notched a triple-double. So he had 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. Um, I was kind of disappointed and bummed that... Lonzo and him didn't face off more than they did. I think it's because they had Bledsoe guarding him or whoever was running the point, which most likely was Bledsoe, which was disappointing. But the short time span that they did match up, you were, you mentioned it before, Melo did hit a three while uh, Lonzo was guarding him. So I know he was geeked inside, you know, like he was when he dropped <laughs> him in, in his uh, backyard because he slipped. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was definitely it was definitely dope to see that. Um, you know, see them dap up before the game and then get on the court and, you know, forget all of that and, and play their game and compete against each other. Um, you know, as brothers at the NBA level, uh, it's always dope to see something like that. So yeah, so Lonzo didn't have as great of a game as Melo did. Uh, he you know shot one for seven from three. He was two for eight from the field. He had a total of five points, and he had a block, a steal, three assists, two rebounds. So he had he was spreading love on the stat sheet, but he, in terms of scoring, he didn't have the greatest game. Um, but I think Lumelo also blocked him when you know he was driving the, uh, to the paint for a layup. So he's definitely he's definitely got you know the notch up on his brother. So I'm pretty sure next time they match up. Lonzo's going to want to clamp him up. He's going to want to, you know, guard him more often. And he's going to probably be more aggressive on the offensive end. But the team in general probably gonna are going to be more aggressive just because they blew a lead. So that's all I have to say. I don't know if yeah. you want to, you know, finish that up. No, yeah, that's all I really have for, the, to, you know, Lonzo and LaMelo's matchup. Um, like I said, I, I can't wait to see those dudes, you know, play against each other, you know, more times in the future. Uh, you know, possibly they could match up later on in the future due to the fact that, you know, Lonzo might not remain a Pelican, so there's always that possibility. Maybe they be both um, on the Hornets. Who knows? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so um, we we'll definitely have to wait and see what what it's like for uh, for them. Uh, but moving on to our next topic. Um, we were going to talk about the possibility of the NBA expanding its rosters due to the fact uh, that 
that obviously we are going through a pandemic and obviously there are players, you know, kind of in and off, on and off the floor due to the, you know, due to the personal reasons or, uh, you know, due to pand- or COVID protocols and not passing them or failing to, uh, or testing positive for coronavirus and stuff like that. So uh, how do you feel about, you know, the possibility of the NBA expanding rosters due to the coronavirus? Um, I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's similar to how the NFL approached their practice squad, where now you get to bring um, pull up more players than for, you know, game day. Uh, so more players get to suit up. And also now veterans are allowed to be on the practice squad. So I think they should have had this, you know, in store already. I think about like it's usually a 15 man roster and 12 men get to suit up. I think they should have expanded that at the start of the season just because of everything that we're dealing with uh, in regards to the pandemic. But even more so now, just because they have had to postpone so many games in regards to, uh, you know, vid 19. So I think it's just perfect timing. I think they need to integrate it. And I think they mentioned even during the Hornets-Pelicans game that starting February, they were going to have, like, some sort of NBA bubble uh, uh, once again. Oh, wow. Um, that's actually news to me. But um, I'm, de- I'm, off. I'm definitely off for expanding the rosters, especially due to coronavirus, um, or more so specifically due to coronavirus. Um but I agree completely. Uh, kind of wish it was something that they already had in place because obviously we lost a couple games uh, due to the fact that so many players were out and you know teams were literally having seven, eight-man rosters out there on the floor, almost reminiscent of you know those liquor days we don't like to talk yeah, about. When, when Chris Kingman <laughs> was freaking laid out on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> laid out on the bench. Yeah. So I mean, you know, uh, you definitely, I definitely wish that you know they'd had something in place then to kind of, you know be ready for the fact that you know that could be a possibility but you know obviously uh with it already happening and what's going on um I've, i i like the quick reaction from the nba to kind of start discussing the the possibility of expanding because it seems kind of like something that's obvious at least for now um you know throughout a pandemic um and so you'll avoid a lot of the you know issues of having a you know too small a roster to continue on the game with the games and you know, that in turn, you know, gets rid of the hassle of trying to then reschedule those games later on when, I mean, it's already so hard to get them scheduled, you know, with everything going on. So, um, obviously, expanding the rosters will, you know, stop that from happening and we'll be able to continue with a good NBA season, you know, complete NBA season without and interruption. I guess one thing that I actually enjoy um, about this season is these back-to-back games that they got going on. A lot of them are in the same against the same team, and I I yeah. think they need to carry that on to you know future seasons just because it's less hassle on you know the players' bodies because let's say the Lakers are playing you know the the Kings even though it's still within the same state um then they're playing them in a back to back now we're playing the Kings again so I guess. That's less travel time, and obviously it would have have to be an interconference game, just because you played them more than you know twice a season. Whereas if I said the Celtics, we only get one game against the Celtics at home and one game against them on the road, so it doesn't really work that way. So if anything, integrating more back-to-back games against interconference teams, so that you can you know 
it's less travel time and less hassle on the players' bodies. And I think moving forward, it'd be more beneficial for the league. No, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, obviously, there. I mean, there's been a lot of those back-to-back games due to the fact that teams are trying to avoid less travel. But uh, I completely agree in the sense that not only do you get to see these teams battle, the same two teams battle it uh, night in, night out, which has left us with, you know, what feels sometimes like a, 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 a mini-series. Um, but also, like you said, way less traveling, um, which and sometimes you know, team might play a team uh, once one week and then the next week they might try they might have to play them again and here they are traveling in between multiple times. Uh, it would definitely uh, it just seems like it'd make a lot more sense for the NBA to add that in general just to avoid you know playing a team twice in two weeks and but in between there traveling to three four different states it just doesn't really make yeah. sense. Um, in general so it definitely would that's not something i really thought about until you mentioned it but it actually is a really good idea to kind of just keep scheduling those games that way to avoid so much you know so much traveling for these players um but before we get into our next topics i have a question for you what is one thing that you are surprised of it could be a player it could be a team um this season thus far Something I'm surprised about yeah. in the NBA. So, it, like, is it a player's performance, a specific player? Is it a team's performance? Uh, like, what has stuck out to you thus far uh, in, you know, I want to say, like, the 10-game sample that we've got? Um, honestly, if, if I'm being honest, what surprised me is um, I, feel, I feel as though um, – you know, obviously the NBA has been a lot more lenient on the sitting out. Um, I was kind of expecting a lot more players to sit out a lot more often. Um, there are still those guys that take advantage of, you know, the sitting out, especially guys that already kind of like taking those games off. Um, I feel like I haven't seen it nearly as much as I kind of expected to. Um, and that's still leaving us with a lot of uh, good competitive games where we're having, you know, the complete roster. Um, I feel like it could have it could have been a lot worse, especially with the NBA being more lenient about it. Uh, you know, guys sitting sitting out even back to back games or just sitting out a lot more often. And I don't feel like it's happening as often as I thought it might, um, and which is a really good thing because it means that people, you know, it means that players, even though it's a quick turnaround, it means that players are still feeling fresh. Um, you know, players have you know been able to stay remotely healthy. Obviously, everyone's going to have injuries, but um, with the quick turnaround of the season, it could be a lot worse. And I don't think that – I think the, hand, the players and the league in general are just handling it really well compared to how bad it actually could have been with how quick the turnaround was. You know what I mean? It could have it could have honestly been disastrous just the fact that they had to turn around so quickly. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's gone really, really well. Aside from obviously not being able to account for you know teams not having full rosters and things like that, um, for everything that they're kind of dealing with and having to do this quick turnaround, they're just managing it very well. I, I agree. Um, one thing I'm surprised about, so I mentioned in the NBA special at the end of season one that I didn't think much of the, uh, the 76ers, and I didn't think that 
they were going to, you know, exit the first round in the come playoff time. And I'm going to stick by that statement by, you know, them not exiting the first round just because I there's four teams I don't expect them uh, to beat. And they're going to have to face one of them most likely. But they were one of the last undefeated teams in the Eastern Conference. They came out guns blazing, um, which I didn't expect. And it's part, part of it is because of Joel Embiid. He seems to, you know, outside of him sitting out due to injury, but that that, that was um, expected. Uh, but he's honestly looked like a whole different animal. And we, we knew what he was capable of, but we didn't feel like he took his game seriously to, you know, take it to the next level. But this man, when playing, is balling out. He's averaging like 25 points a game. He's shooting around 54% from the field, almost 40% from three. Like, I think it's uh, like 11 rebounds or some something around that nature. This man is honestly, if he continues this and then Tobias Harris, you know, plays the way that he was playing under Doc with the Clippers, this team's going to be a problem. And... Although Danny Green, they brought Danny Green in for shooting. He's really not doing anything. <laughs> but he got he got three yeah. he got three rings though. He got three rings. <laughs> but um, I mean, just imagine if Ben Simmons started taking basketball. But Ben seriously. Simmons has been playing really well <laughs> for them too. Um, yeah. And then now they got Maxi, who's came on the scene um, due to you know all these players that they've lost to due to injury or COVID that had to sit out and they were had a shortened roster. Yeah. Maxi, the rookie came out balling and now he's adding you know he's now going to get more minutes in the rotation and that's going to be beneficial to them moving forward so and then they got shake milton who's you know added a spark as as of late especially with his shooting ability so that team alone has surprised me the magic they surprised me with their their uh start but they've you know been on the the downspin especially due to, you know, injury to, you know, Markel Fultz. But their their start where they went undefeated for some time up until they lost to the 76ers was pretty surprising as well. No, I definitely agree. I mean, uh, the Magic one was a little bit more surprising to me. Um, I know a lot of people were critical on the 76ers in saying uh, that, you know, Doc Rivers, they think he's kind of, a little overrated. They don't know that he deserves all the credit that he receives as being a good coach. Um, and obviously, we were hearing a lot of uh, possibilities of you know the 76ers maybe moving on from either Simmons or Embiid. Um, but they are definitely you know surprising some people. But I think the Magic thing was a little bit more surprising to me, uh, especially considering we were all talking about it. Um, and you did say that you you thought that the Magic would be a team that um, might not make the playoffs after having made it last year. Um, and they started off pretty hot. Um, they were able to. I think it was how many how many games they start off like I four think they five, went and five and zero. Yeah, they started off five and zero. Um, they looked really good. Obviously, uh, Markel Fultz going down was a huge blow. That really sucked. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that from the NBA. Um, I guess if we're talking about surprises, um, that not only surprised me but kind of hurt a little bit to see him go down because uh, you know. He really just can't catch a break. Uh, I think he's a talented sure. player, so I want to see I, him out there. But I hope the sucked. Magic go out and make a move, especially now that Fultz went down. But I think they needed to make a move even before then uh, to 
you know, make that push and make that jump that they haven't been able to make in recent years. And I said the reason why I didn't make, I think I thought they were going to make it to like the play-ins so that they're going to have opportunity to make the playoffs, but I didn't think they were going to make it because yeah. of the Hawks, the emergence of the Hawks, which the Hawks are looking like the real deal. And then also I mentioned the Wizards, but the Wizards, the Wizards don't even look like they, the Wizards yeah. look like they're about to get the first pick the way they're playing. They, they look, they look to yeah. be, it was yeah, just they don't really, really look well when, you know, Beal and Westbrook are both on the, in the floor. They usually perform better when only one of them is playing, which is pretty sad. I mean, yeah, I mean, they have one of the worst records in the NBA, and that's what Bradley Beal leading the lead in, league in, in score average, score averages. So, I mean, not that scoring means everything, but when you're averaging more points than anybody in the NBA and your team can't win games, uh, you know, he's consistently dropped like 40 points, and then they still lose the game. So, I don't know what's going on with them so over there. So, my last surprise, I'm not going to mention it because it has to do with uh, the team that we're actually going to be talking about now. Um, so let's just get right into it. So we're going to be talking about Kyrie Irving and the incident where, you know, he was caught on camera without a, you know, a mask in a public event, you can say. I, I believe it was his a, a birthday party for his sister, but it was the fact that he didn't have a mask on that caused, you know, some ruckus in the NBA especially with him missing some time and before and after this. So people are questioning whether he's taking this job seriously. It, like, should he even be playing in the NBA anymore? Uh, there went to the point where Stephen A. Smith, you mentioned on our Instagram post that Stephen A. Smith went out and said that he should just up and retire. Like he doesn't believe yeah. that he's uh, cares about basketball anymore. And I don't, I wouldn't go as far as telling him he needs to retire. I think the only thing he really cares about is playing basketball. He doesn't care about interacting with the media or anything that comes with his position as a professional athlete. Um, I do think he was at an event for his sister. It just sucks that he didn't have a mask on with everything going on. But I mentioned this to Denzel, and it was similar to what George Hill said. George Hill said, basically, you're not going to tell me when I can like see my family and if you're worried about that then clearly we shouldn't be playing and i stick by that statement i do think they should be able to do whatever they please in their personal time especially regarding their family uh without having any issues and if you have an issue with that then clearly they shouldn't be playing but denzel made up a great point in saying this is their job they the NBA Association, our player association, came to an agreement in the beginning of the season saying, basically, you, like, the players knew what, what to come. If You can always opt out, if you, yeah. if anything. Like, if you didn't feel comfortable. And then he also sent me something where he was saying the, 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 the Lakers. The Lakers, you haven't heard a peep from them on, on anyone, you know, messing up in regards to COVID protocol. Um, people complaining, like LeBron is running essentially a tight ship. He's got them focused. And I think yeah. it's true. It, it, and and come and you got to compare that to the Nets and the situation with Kyrie. Kyrie's basically on a team that's in win-now mode, and the only focus is a championship. Like, they're one of the few teams that have the opportunity to, you know, go out and win it because they have the talent. So he, I think yeah. he needs to focus more on that in terms of instead of, all these shenanigans 
outside of sports. I'm not saying the fact that he went to go celebrate his sister's birthday is shenanigans. I just think he's just got he's doing a lot outside of just playing basketball, and I think he needs to you know prioritize his uh, focus. Yeah, um, I won't go as far as saying he should retire like Stephen A. did. That was kind of – it felt, felt a little bit ridiculous, although I know that Stephen A. Smith is a very passionate person. Um, so, you know, um, understandably so. Um, a lot of people seem to be fed up with Kyrie, but I also think that a lot of people are, are tend to be a little bit too hard sure. on Kyrie Irving. Um, I do think, obviously, you should take the protocol seriously, 100% uh, with COVID. I think I, anybody should take that seriously, but – um, the issue I have is kind of similar to what you said George Hill spoke about is that, you know, telling me, you know, when and when I when and when not, I can't see my family, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I just think that Kyrie Irving, like you said, I think that his biggest interest is playing basketball. I think Kyrie Irving loves nothing more than playing basketball, and at least in terms of what he does for a career. Uh, what I think – what Kyrie Irving interest isn't interested in is uh, playing basketball due to COVID protocols. I don't. I don't think that's something that's Kyrie Irving. Not that he doesn't take it serious enough. I feel like Kyrie Irving is more. I, if if I'm being honest, instead of retiring, I'm I'm more inclined to say I just think Kyrie Irving should opt out. I just genuine. I genuinely don't think Kyrie has an interest in in playing a basketball season in which uh, he has to deal with all these. Um, you know, all these kind of COVID, you know, issues. Yeah. I just – this Kyrie just seems like the kind of person that he seems very straightforward in the sense that, like, he wants to play basketball and he doesn't want to have to deal with all this extra stuff. Uh, it's stuff that everybody has to deal with, so I'm not, you know, giving him any kind of pass or excuse. Um, but I just think it's something that Kyrie's not interested in doing. I think Kyrie would rather, uh, you know – just play basketball and not have to deal with everything else. And I think it's kind of unavoidable this season to not have to try and deal with that stuff. And that's really why I just say I feel like maybe he should opt out. Um, He just seems like that kind of person that really takes no interest in all this background noise. And so, I mean, we've seen it already this far. Like I said, he kind of has one one foot in the door, one foot out. So um, at this point, I'm pretty sure that might be why the Brooklyn Nets kind of pulled the trigger on this Harden trade, which we will talk about next. But um, is, you know, due to the fact that there's some. There's always so much uncertainty around Kyrie. So, um, maybe at one point or another he'll get more serious about the season. Uh, maybe it'll be when there's a bubble, and maybe he'll have a lot less to worry about. Although that also leaves, the, you know, that also leaves the question of whether or not he'll want to enter a bubble, and maybe he'll then want to opt out yeah. when that becomes a thing. So, um, Kyrie's just. I mean, he's really just it's Kyrie, and I feel like that's really what the issue is that so many people have with him is he's such a he, he's just you don't know what he's gonna do next. He's unpredictable, um, and I feel like that's really the issue that people have with him. Um, my issue is the fact that what, to start the season, the Nets were balling. Him and KD look like a perfect pair. Um, they seem to be dropping forty bombs. Uh, they were undefeated at some point. Like they looked like they were a problem to be like reckoned with. But then load management happened, and KD yeah. started taking time off. Kyrie started taking time off. It didn't take long for them to you know get into this. 
and it it makes sense because they're both coming off an of injury. Uh, KD's being you know a bit more uh, serious, but load management was bound to happen. But once that happened, they started losing. And even though although they're still one of the best teams in the East in terms of record, I don't necessarily uh, remember where they are. I think they're probably like four or five. I think they're five. So they they fell a little bit, but like they have their own struggles as a team. And I do think him missing some time is not helping because they need to build some chemistry. They're a new built team, and chemistry needs to be you know had in order for them to compete for a championship. And now that they pull the trigger on that James Harden trade, which we'll jump in, into in a minute. Now they're even more, like, they're even more uh, in need of some chemistry. So he he yeah. needs to return ASAP. Um, we already know James Harden made his debut with KD, and that looked like a problem in itself, in a good way. Um, and Kyrie was nowhere to be had. So it's interesting to see how these three coexist but with that we'll jump into the James <laughs> Harden so the Nets pulled the trigger on James Harden um it was a very chaotic uh I don't even know what day it was I think it was the 13th <laughs> but it was a very chaotic day because uh the day before James Harden and his teammates on the Rockets or former teammates I should say now they they weren't having it with one another um, because it was a back-to-back game against the Lakers. The first night, they, it was a competitive game, and the second night was not competitive. The Lakers blew them out of the water yep. to the point, you know, LeBron over here hitting fucking no-look threes. Um, AD was Sun and Harden, block them twice, two laps in a row. Harden looked like a fucking burger, like your brother would say. I mean, he did look like a burger with him looking overweight. Um, but he was just playing terrible. He looked like yeah. he didn't want to be out there. And like DeMarcus Cousins said in his post-game press conference, it was disrespectful to his teammates because they did nothing to to him to deserve this kind of treatment. Um, because James Harden in his post-game press conference said, you know, this team is not built to win a championship like in regards to talent and everything else. So that was just being disrespectful because they didn't, you know, deserve that. They came in, he, he uh, Cousins mentioned, we come in every day like we're supposed to and we get we do our job. But one thing that stood out to me when he when he said that was he goes, the reason why I came here was to play with John Wall. Yeah. He didn't mention anything about James Harden. Well, he and said John, that he's- yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can go. No, I mean I agree. He said he said it, and he he was like straight up, like the person I came to play with was John Wall. Like he didn't care about Harden being there. Uh, but I mean I agree with Boogie in a hundred percent in the sense that you know Harden really didn't give that team an opportunity at all. It felt like at least um, I feel like they had the talent there. I completely disagree. They had the talent there. Um, I definitely think you need John Wan, DeMarcus Cousins, and and the rest of those guys. You got to give some time. You got to you guys got to mesh. You got to build chemistry. Things don't just, you know, um, 
things don't just change over time when you have practically a new team around you. Um, you need to get in the gym. You need to practice. When you're kind of the way Kyrie is not right now, half in, half out, uh, that's not really how you're going to build a championship uh, basketball team. Um, and, I, I mean, I kind of feel like he forced his way out there. He showed up one day for the Rockets and looked completely awful, like he didn't know how to play basketball. <laughs> and then he pulls up to the Nets, and I think he dropped the triple-double. Um, looked like he dropped triple double. Yeah, dropped like forty point forty pounds in two days somehow. Like, uh, he looked like <laughs> a completely different person. So, I really he, just think he, it was his way of forcing himself out of Houston. Um, he he was playing with a fat suit on basically. Yeah, it remains to be seen whether he made the right choice, but so they were saying basically he he pulled like Kevin Nash and <laughs> when Kevin Nash faked injury and he next thing you know he fucking unrevealed that the cast wasn't even his leg. <laughs> and he and he got up and you know jumped in the ring. He basically they, they basically said James Harden took off his fat suit when he when he went to Brooklyn. <laughs> so he pulled the Paul Pierce where he fake faked this injury, but he really just shitted himself. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Chris is listening, he's uh you know going sick. <laughs> but to break down the trade, um, you know the full trade. James Harden went to the Nets and the Nets gave up. Karis LeVert and Jared Allen and I think uh, Kroot and three. Well, I'll just break it down like this. So the Rockets in return got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, uh, Kroot, three Brooklyn first rounders. So 2022, 24, and 26. Um, they got Milwaukee's first in 2022 unprotected. They got four Brooklyn first round swaps, which is 2021, 20, 23, 25, and 27. The Nets got James Harden. Pacers got Karis LeVert and a second-round pick. Uh, and the Cavs got Jared Allen and a uh, Torian Prince. And I believe they had a second-round pick going to the Nets originally, but that pick, that second-round pick got moved to the Pacers, and I think it's because of the news that just dropped about LeVert being out indefinitely uh, after you know a small mass being found on his kidney. Um, so I think the Pacers were aware of that. And that's why they got the second round pick in return. Me personally, if I was the Rockets, I would have kept Karis Lever over Victor Oladipo. But that is just me. But I think ultimately the Rockets won this trade because of how much picks they got in return. And they already got a developed star in Oladipo yeah. who it, it remains to be seen whether he's even going to stay. Um, or if he's interested in even being in Houston, but if he is, that's still an interesting, you know, lineup with, you know, Christian Woods, John Wall, Victor Oladipo. There's really not a number one option. You could say John Wall is the star player on that team, but every given night you're not going to know who's going to be the number one option because it could be Oladipo. It could be John Wall. There's so, yeah. so there's so many questions on how to guard that team. And if Boogie Cousins can get to, you know, anything close to – uh, his old self, that team's going to be a problem. I do believe P.J. Tucker is out of the door very soon. Uh, they're just waiting to see what they can you know, get in return for him. But in regards to the Nets, I do think they got the best player in the trade in James Harden, but I do think they got worse. And they were already struggling defensively prior to this trade, and I don't think they got any better by acquiring someone who barely plays defense in James Harden. They're going to go out there and they're going to try to outscore everybody and that's going to be their defense is to try to outscore you outscore you 
And it looked nice in his debut because he got a 30-point triple-double with KD, and KD had a 40-point game. But it remains to be seen how that's going to coexist when Kyrie comes in. And Kyrie, you already said it, he's got one foot in, one foot, one foot out. And then prior to this, when just the rumors were speculating, I said he wasn't going to be happy with James Harden coming to Brooklyn because now he's going he's, he's third fiddle. He's no longer the second option or 1, 1A, 1B. He's He's number three. And that's just going to be, you know, some chemistry issues right there. And he, I think Harden's going to be the primary ball handler because Mike D'Antoni is there. And although Steve Nash is there and he's going to try to limit that from happening, I, I, I don't think he's going to be very happy uh, for the remaining of the season. So that just remains to be seen. But also, come, you know, down to the wire, who's taking this last shot? Will it be Harden? Will it be KD? Will Will it be Kyrie? They all have their it egos, is. and they're all going to want to take the shot. And we already seen something similar in the beginning of the season where Kyrie and KD, come that time, were just looking at each other like, who wants it? Who wants it? Like, when this should be established already. So now, now you got James Harden added to the equation. Who's taking that last shot? Yeah. I mean, in my opinion... I think it's the person without the ego that takes the last shot, and that is KD. I think he's the best player of all three. Sure. I think he's the deadliest from anywhere on the court. I think he's taking that shot if I'm the coach. Um, but with that being said, um, I completely agree. I think that Houston did win the trade. I mean, at this point, they're kind of competing with the Thunder uh, for picks in the next few years. So, I mean, uh, they, due to this they trade, they need draft capital, and they, they oh, and definitely, they got that. which is <laughs> yeah, which was huge for them. So, I definitely do think they won this trade. Uh, clearly Brooklyn got the best player in it with James Harden going there. But that bench, like like you said, that defense took a hit, but just their depth in general is gone. I mean, practically a uh, team with just James Harden, Kyrie, and, and, and KD at this point um, because they really don't have depth at all now. Um, not to say that everybody on that team is a scrub. They do have a few players. Um, but like I said, with that being said, I wasn't sure how this trade was going to work out because I was reading reports originally when uh, Brooklyn was uh, atop of the list that it was something that KD and Kyrie didn't want. Um, Then I was reading after the trade happens that it's something that KD and James Harden have been talking about for months. Um, So that leaves me wondering whether or not it's just Kyrie that doesn't want it. Um, Now with him already having so much uncertainty around him, maybe that's why Brooklyn decided to pull this trigger um, but I'm just really curious to see how he genuinely feels about this uh, because Kyrie does have a bit of an ego and it seemed like he was perfectly happy with the team that Brooklyn had assembled. Um, it seemed like him and KD both believed that they could win a championship. Um, who's to say that Kyrie now f- still feels the same way or that he even wants to play, wanted, ever wanted to play with James Harden or and now even have to kind of take a step back and now be the third option. So, um I think that just that uncertainty certainty in general isn't good for your chemistry. Um, and now adding James Harden and adding more uncertainty with Kyrie's situation isn't going to help. Um, who knows? We've yet to see how this trade plays out. Uh, they could they could still be a great team. Uh, but I just don't think they're going to be able to. I mean, we saw it yesterday. They did really good. Obviously, like you said, KD, 40-point game. James Harden, 30-point triple-double. Add Kyrie to that roster. Capable of putting up another 30, 35 points. Great. But how are they going to stack up against championship-caliber teams in Boston and L.A. and, you know, 
Clippers. Like, how are you going to stack up against those championship rosters for seven games? Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough. I, I think offensively, they're not going to have any problems. The only problem, oh, the only problem that they're going to have is come down to the wire, who's taking the shot. That's the only issue. Oh, and maybe who's going to be the primary ball handler because will it be Harden, will it be Kyrie? They all can dribble. So I think the best is uh, the yep. best res- solution for that is to, you know, mix it up. But a hundred percent, but I just, just think about it like this for me, at least this is the way I think about it. You get to the Eastern conference finals against say this, the Boston Celtics, who, who do you have on that? You don't have enough players on that team to guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like you just don't have as too, enough people. Yeah. You don't have enough people on your team to guard Dennis Schroeder. You don't have enough people on your team to guard LeBron, and, AD. And that's, and, yeah, it's just and that's where I was, KCP. That's where I was going to go. Like, outscoring your opponent can only get you so far. And now the perfect example was the Rockets last year or years before that when Dan Tony was the coach. Like they try to outscore their opponent, but defensively they weren't really up to par with everyone else. So I think they're going to be invested in the buyout market when it comes around um, the, the trade deadline because they don't have the draft capital or assets to trade away to get other players. And they're just going to try to acquire these buyout markets because they don't have the depth to, you know, live up to these yeah. other teams that you're naming. Because right now uh, their starting lineup would be, you know, Kyrie, James Harden, Joe Harris, Durant, and uh, DeAndre Jordan. And then their bench, the few players I do know is they got – Landry Shamit, and they got Jeff Green. After that, it's a nobody. And you can't win with a seven-man rotation. You can't. So I think they're going to be looking for a buyout market, so maybe another big. They'll probably be looking at a JaVale McGee because now that the Cavs acquired Jared Allen, uh, there's an ottoman out. So Andre Drummond's balling out, and they're going to want to keep Jared Allen long-term for the future. So the ottoman out is McGee. So if they can't trade him, they'll probably let him go, and he might go to the Nets. But they need people in terms of depth. Defensively, they these people that they add need to benefit them in regards to that because that's where they're going to struggle big time. Because like you said, they don't have anyone to guard these other people on the other team. Out of those three stars, the best defender is Kevin Durant, and he's coming off of an and an Achilles injury. So, yeah. yeah, offensively, he's still up to par, and he could drop 40. But defensively, he's not going to be as explosive to, to, you know, guard a LeBron or guard uh, Anthony Davis. Not at all. So, I mean, and, and, like I, and like I just said, I mean, if we're just saying it's the championship Lakers, obviously, let's take that as a reference because you'd imagine uh, if they want to win the championship, they got to beat the team out of the West. Um, and if we're using the Lakers as that team for now um, – because even if the, a team ends up beating the Lakers, I mean, you're going to have to beat the team that beat the, the Lakers, um, which is a very stacked team. So uh, you just don't have enough people. Like you said, KD being your best defender, put them on whoever you want. LeBron, AD, you know, Schroeder. But there's still two, three other guys that are going that are capable of dropping 30 points on you. Um, not to mention that there are guys deeper in the Lakers roster in depth that don't put up points but are more than capable of fucking ticking off Kyrie on the defensive side of the ball because <laughs> people who don't watch enough basketball or even enough Lakers basketball might not know who the hell Caruso is. I don't know how you don't know at this point. He's a meme. Uh, but but he's not the most talented player on any given roster. Um, 
But he will go out there and he will frustrate Kyrie Irving offensively. Kyrie's going to get his because Kyrie is Kyrie. Kyrie is one of the best ball handlers in the league, one of the best scorers. But Caruso is more than capable of, you know, playing some defense and, you know, ticking people off. I mean, so he goes out there and he hustles. It's just things like that that the Lakers have on the roster, people that come in and know their role, that the Brooklyn Nets just don't have enough people on the roster to do that. Yeah, and with the, and with the Nets, it's when it's basically championship or nothing. They've invested everything in this season and beyond to the point where they have to win a championship. So they have to make it to the NBA Finals, and if they don't make it to the NBA, they don't make it to the NBA Finals, then it's just a failure uh, in terms of a season. Uh, I don't know how far you want to go about it, but it could be a season. It could be this team is a failure. They need more pieces. And a lot of their cap salary cap is accumulated in these three stars. So they don't really have as much to, you know, surround them with pieces to win a championship if they can't win with them right now. So yeah. they need to win the East, and that's first and foremost. And then win a championship, we can deal with that when it gets there. But basically, they should win a championship with these three stars. Because you could probably say, in terms of talent, this is probably the best trio that's ever been assembled. And I'm just, I'm just saying, in terms of talent, not even uh, of a trio, yeah. And that, but that, then that's a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent correct about that. And with the trio being the most talented you've ever seen, I've never seen in my lifetime any trio being this good. Um, but that's exactly where the issue is. It's just the trio. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough. I, I'm, if I'm being honest, as a Lakers fan, and I see the Brooklyn that's coming out of the East, I, w- I was a lot more scared of that Brooklyn team pre-James Harden trade. That's just me, but um, this one doesn't scare me as much because, yeah, offensively they could score with the best of them, but it's going to be hard to be scoring as many points as teams are going to be putting up on you when you don't have a defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. That wraps up everything that we had for you guys today. Uh, first and foremost, we we would like to thank you for tuning in. Secondly, Make sure to, you know, give us some reviews and comments and go like, follow and subscribe. What's what's holding you guys from doing so? So uh, and lastly, make sure to pay attention to our Instagram. We're going to be, you know, dropping something in the coming days, uh, which will need your participation. Definitely showing some love back to the fans that's important are supporting us and showing love and telling their friends about it. Yep. So. Thank you guys for showing love and go go spread some of that love to the Expansion Pack podcast or guys over there. So if you're interested in gaming or, you know, a big time gamer, it's a podcast for you. They'll definitely have you laughing while, you know, giving you guys some uh, gaming content just as we do our sports content. So go show some love uh, and go check out our guy, Harv. He, not, he drops a, a, a track called Nutcase. Uh, formerly known as Down from '96, but Harv Nutcase, it's a banger. It's all, available on all platforms, so uh, go check that out. And until next time, peace. You're talking about balls deep. I'm talking about balls deep. We're talking about balls deep in love. I'm talking about balls deep. My boy's talking about balls deep. We're talking about balls deep in love.